0: the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This.
1: This this
0: is is AV Nation. Nation. This is AV Nation.
1: This is is AV Week. Episode 72, recorded Friday, January 4th, 2012. Like bunnies. Ready. AV, AV Week performing scan week online this is av week <laughs> AV. AV. av week it's time for av week your weekly wrap up of audiovisual news and information my name is Tom Albright i'm your host thank you so very much for joining us. Uh, with us this week is Mr. Todd Puma. He is the CEO of Source Home Theater. Welcome, sir.
0: Hello. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh,
1: Mr. Chris Neto is the or is a consultant, not the consultant. Your boss will yell at me. Is a consultant with AV Help Desk. How are you, brother? I'm
2: doing good, my man.
1: And last, and certainly not least, Mr. George C. T- what is your middle name? J. Jay. It's george j tucker <laughs> he is the engineering coordinator for
3: world stage how are you sir <laughs> no, i'm doing great uh and chris in my eyes you'll always be the oh <laughs> that is so Not, No, 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 no. Oh, good <laughs> it's already too
1: sugary uh we got a whole bucket load of of acquisitions to talk about uh ces is in a couple of days we're gonna we're gonna wrap about that and um According to Gizmodo, the TV revolution is being led by Intel, which concerns the heck out of me. Considering they're the geniuses who gave us the HDMI connector, but hey, you know it's a fabulous connector. It, it works all the time, and it, 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 it you can captive it too, can't you? At least mm. I, that's the. Anyhow, <laughs> um, sorry, I just I, I have issues with the HDMI connector. Uh, this the first one though is going to kind of roll down the uh, the acquisitions from 2012, and then kind of work, work our way into two or three uh, acquisitions that have been come down the last couple of weeks. Um, I think the most notable one was Leviton buying high, HAI. High, I guess is the, is the way you do it. Um, and also the fact that uh, Savant buying Light Touch, which was a huge step for which was a huge step for Savant, because that it gave them not be, decent, be simple about this but he gave them a home automation company uh integration with with lighting. Um George, what was some of the maybe one or two more significant um acquisitions or or mergers from last year?
3: You know, I think the Savant one was really really big. I mean, they needed that and to forward at all <laughs> I think into any part of the market. Um you know, the rest seemed like they were, the one that did surprise me, though, actually, is the Colorado V-Net one. You know, that's been up, that's been down, that's been up, that's been down. I don't know if it's a zombie that just won't go away or if there's really something there anymore. Uh, and seriously, I mean, I would, I would see why you would want to buy it, um, but I don't know. I mean, it, that one mystified me. It's like, where is this thing going? Because it just never seems to go away. <laughs> and not that I wanted to, but those, and those were the ones that impressed me the most. It is the perpetual
1: undiable product, uh, yeah. Mister Mr. Mr. Netto, What is one or two uh, products or, or mergers or acquisitions that were significant to you or maybe surprised you?
2: Um, the one that 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 got me was the Barco projection design one. Oh yeah, um, you know they're both uh, big name players in the projection market. Um, one was stronger in projection; the other one stronger in. The uh, LED display, I guess, for uh, signage and um, I guess big display, I guess, is would be Bar- Barco's strength. Uh, they have a nice new product, which is that ClickShare thing. And uh, seeing those two come together was pretty interesting because you know projection design does a lot of OE for for other people, and you know Barco's been having some issues with their projection, uh, but if you know come come some um, have made progress i guess would be the word uh yeah, i found it interesting i i you know they're both big name players in the industry
1: well the other thing about that one is the fact that first of all both of them are, are high-end display companies right you you're not, yeah. not going to find a 600 dollars projector from projector design you're just not no. um the second thing though is do you think maybe this was barco's yeah. move into that oem market or was it more to shore up some of their display stuff
2: I think it's to shore up the display stuff. If you look at what, what, what projection design specialty is, it's all about the, the simulator market. You know, they are the high-res, high high-pixel high count, you know, um, projectors. And not that Barco couldn't do it or wasn't trying to do that before, but I think they took, you know, a working formula that, that PD has and... Is making it work
1: oh, very good uh todd was there one or two uh acquisitions i mean you're you're you, uh, you're the owner and ceo of, of sound source home theater so you know the the savant light touch one would make sense for you for kind of your, your warehouse but there was maybe one or two other ones that that kind of shocked you or or uh were, were significant from last year
0: well george i agree with you and tim on the savant uh, especially becoming a dealer of savant and working with them we wanted to go with a full automation uh the landing controlled was definitely something they needed and it would bring a more as a competitor to that no name company we don't want to name that uh, they're going back and forth with all the time but what shocked me the most was nuvo technology and legrand uh, oh, yeah. I, I worked with nuvo for a long period of time hand in hand with them and i was a little bit in shock once they were releasing the wireless technology that they were being sold out and kind of working with legrand it just it was like wow i couldn't understand what was going on what happened but I could tell that they're keeping with the same great customer service. It's, it's easy to communicate with them, their products. If there's an issue with their products, they don't ask you a question. They ship it overnight, and you get it the next day free of charge. So for me, I'm just glad that they're keeping with the same customer service and they're working the same way as they've done before in the past. Yeah.
1: Uh, another one that kind of came down uh, this past, well, about, about two weeks ago was the fact that Harmon acquired um, Martin. And this shocked me a little bit. And George, we're going to start with you because World Stage mm. does a lot of staging and stuff. And I don't, okay, I'm going to be admit this. I'm very naive when it comes to lighting, um, especially for stage lighting and stuff. I mean, I get some of the other stuff, but I don't get this one at all. Do you, I mean, get, get, am I missing something here? Because that, well, I mean, the sound and lights going, go
3: ahead. No, that's okay. <laughs> You know, in the AV install world, I can see it. In, this, in the event staging world, you're looking to have as broad a presence as possible. mean that's the same thing, I guess, in the custom install world. But the lighting is an essential part of staging. An event. And if you have a reputable, well-established name that you can acquire to then fill in part of your you know, sales projections with, that's a good thing. Um, I don't know what this is going to shake out to yet, and I haven't really had time to really look at all of their stuff and how they're going to you know, plan to keep the merger going, but they are, Martin is a real staging company, and the other guys, you know, they've done audio, but these guys really work in the world of live. Um, yes, so the short, I'm curious how they're going to mesh, but I think it's probably a very good idea to keep a broad base and diversify.
1: Chris, does George have something here? Are they just trying to to position themselves more as a as a complete staging company uh, by getting a hold of Martin?
2: Probably. you know, it, d- Diversification in general is it seems to be the buzz within the whole industry. You can't just do one thing anymore. Uh, that's just my opinion.
3: Well, because somebody comes along who does a prosumer version and can under, undermine you with, you know, it's like the flat panel days. Now, hey, I'm making a lot yeah. of money. This is guaranteed. Oh, I don't have that anymore. Well, yeah, and, and, and to that, um,
1: Todd, another one of the acquisitions we're going to talk about is the fact that Microsoft picked up um, ID8 Group R2 Studios, which, um, fo- follow me here if you will. <laughs> so the guy that, that started Slingbox, right, uh, Blake Krikorian, he also started, first of all, he was the first guy to make a, 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 an app, Android app for the for Crestron. Um, but he also had uh, this group, which was a home automation and now Microsoft <laughs> has it. So uh, is that significant when it comes to, you know, I mean, good Lord, it's Microsoft. So I don't, I'm not trying to say that they're trying to diverse, diversify. If they diversified anymore, they I'm not sure what, but, you know, um, is that a smart move from Microsoft's point? Because they haven't ever really been successful when it comes to home
0: automation. I think at this point they're reaching, but it's something that we're going to have to see what happens with this. Um Personally, they are looking to go with the more of the do-it-yourself-based uh, um, atmosphere and kind of work with the consumer and see what they could do with it. And if they're going to go with that approach, they're not going to make it. But working with the company that they've been working with who made the Android app for Crestron, it is a great app. I have used it. It works well. And we just got to see how this plays out. At this point, I'm not confident and I'm not going to be going for them right away because we know that based on their past history, they didn't do
3: that well. Microsoft, you know the, the, go ahead, George. Microsoft. You know the, well, Xbox does have a great potential to be that Trojan horse that's already there to establish not only streaming media but the home automation stuff. I mean, look what Verizon's been trying to do. It. There's a couple of phone companies in the Midwest that've been trying to sell home automation, mostly uh, environmental controls, right, lighting and, and then mm-hmm. temperature stuff. Um, they have a great potential with this Xbox Connect or other variations of that to be able to. I know I've always said I'm not a gesture, but to use those things. To control certain room environments, and I don't think they're specifically going after R2 stuff for that reason. I think they want him more for the comprehensive interaction that he can provide Xbox games. But there's a huge potential there, and despite their problems in the past, the think they've now looked at the industry. And you'll remember, and if you, if anyone has seen the, the press releases in the, in the last couple of years who is the main control system inside of Microsoft's Redmond offices? Do you know?
1: Isn't it Crestron?
3: It is Crestron. Yes. Top to bottom. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if, one, they've been looking in that and thinking, okay, we now know how it works, or if they're really just looking to get that sort of lower-end universal remote control market kind of thing, mass, mass market across the globe. Uh, I don't think they're ever going to give it up, and I think they'll have the opportunity. But um, my opinion is until I see it in the Redmond offices actually working as their main stuff, I'm going to pre- pretty much dismiss it until then.
2: Well, don't don't you see the Xbox as like the Apple TV on steroids? Uh Picture it this way: You buy this Apple TV; it's 99 bucks, or whatever. You throw it into your system; it gets all the same things that Xbox does, but Xbox is more robust. It does the games; it does other things that uh, that obviously Apple TV cannot. It's already in the homes, you know. Once now you bring in the Connect, and you know that they want to somehow interact that Surface tablets into their Xboxes somehow. You know their minds are thinking that way, you know. Mm. There, there is a there is a potential there, like the iPad uh, AirPlay, um, you know, coexistence in a, in a, in, a, in a media center. You know, now you can bring their 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 highly touted Surface that they've been trying to to put out there, integrated more in part of the house. It's just bringing everything together, and you have a lot more horsepower with an Xbox than Apple does inside their Apple TV.
3: That's just I agree. There's there's a lot of potential there, but you know, look, we. And Netflix have a really great relationship, but how Netflix is still struggling. They have this built-in user base, and they're and still struggling. Again, Microsoft has much more power behind it, but they also had far more, um, how shall we say, um, less than brilliant uh, management <laughs> of those yep. ideas and products. Yep. Um, so, I, yeah, you're right. I agree. There's a Trojan horse there where they can say, no, no, oh,
1: Surprise. Well, the one thing the Xbox does have, George, and you're right, the, the Wii did have, I think the only thing the, the original Wii had was Netflix. But mm-hmm. they have made themselves available to everybody, whether that's Apple TV or Xbox or the Roku or anything else like that. So, but you, in, in the, the one thing the Xbox has over everybody else, I think, except for Roku, is their ubiquitousness. Uh, You can get Amazon streaming. You can get Netflix. You can get all these other services in addition to buying it from them. And so that's that's the the quote-unquote Apple, uh, the iTunes store experience. You can still buy it from the box itself in addition to streaming all these other third-party connections, I I guess. But I I would agree with you. It's got a much faster processor, obviously, because it's a gaming machine. You know, but then you start throwing all these other things in, and especially the more things get on the network. Let's talk about the Nest for a second, right? The Nest is a wireless uh, thermostat. Well, you if, if they start making it, and I'm not sure if they do have an API for it, but if you st- they start making it available to other parties or, or third app, third-party app apps, well, then you have a situation where you don't want your Xbox because it's, it's on the network, can control your Nest. And then what happens, you know, your TVs on the network, obviously, because it's most modern TVs are going to be on the network, uh, or your, your receiver is going to be on the network. All these other things are going to be, quote, unquote, on your network. They're going to have an IP address. And so that's how your little Trojan horse scenario, George, will probably work is the fact that all these things are going to have an IP address, including your Xbox, and then suddenly they're going to throw one more little... Uh, thing at the top menu that says, you know, home control or home or, or you know, automation or something like that. Um, go ahead.
2: I, you know, I I, I also remember reading an article uh, not too long ago where they have now, that's not an article, it's a press release from them, where they are now making Xbox more affordable for people by doing the rental leasing payment plan thing. It's almost like a service where you get the Xbox for cheap, but you, you just pay like a monthly bill for it. So they're, they're going to, they're going after something. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being a conspiracy theorist guy here.
0: I think the only thing they're going after is trying to get that Apple market share. You know, Apple has basically made a name for itself. Everything they put out, they do their research. They just don't rush and put things out just to get it out and see what people think. And then it fails. They put out quality products that work every time. If If that's what they're trying to do, Microsoft, when basically going into their stores, if you look at what they're trying to do, the new visual standpoints, what they're doing, their customer service, they're doing a great job and they're trying to really take over that market share with Apple. But this could be a new way to make that happen. When I went into their stores, they talked about what was selling for the holiday season and what they had going for themselves. The Windows 8 wasn't really selling that much. They were, you know, the tablets were doing well, but not great. But it was Xbox. That's what they were striving on their business. That's what was selling that and the Kinects with the new packaging and lower pricing. But again, what's happening in 2013? What's going to be being released? It's rumored to be released a new Xbox 720. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what the power is going to be behind that. Buy Microsoft
1: stock. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, don't. Don't, because it doesn't go anywhere. So... um but no, you guys make a good point. The one thing I would say about that is is if they do what they've done in the past when it comes to Apple versus Microsoft is they'll just sit back, see what works, and then you know, do it cheaper or something. You know, Eat their lunch like they did in the 80s. Um, from Engadget, LG's 2013 AV lineup has NFC in their Blu-ray. And I'll start with Todd on this. Uh, and also uh, the possibility of a 9.1 uh, surround sound system. And that just makes my head hurt. Uh, Todd, first of all, what the heck is NFC doing in a Blu-ray player?
0: To be honest with you, I don't know too much information about the NFC, uh, especially in the residential market. Um, I was hoping one of you guys could talk a little bit more about that with me. It, it seems to be a wireless device that it works as a mirroring, kind of, I guess I'm assuming, like they're going to try it as an Apple TV kind of thing, mm-hmm. where it goes from your smartphone to your TV and back and forth with the communication. Uh, I can't say anything more than that. Um, as for their new home theater system, the 9.1, anything with LG is going to turn my customers off because we don't work with the home theater in the boxes. If we were dealing with Best Buy clients or dealing with more, you know, how can I say it? Uh, more of the middle market clients, mm-hmm. then that would be more effective for us, and we would kind of want to work with that. But if we're going to sell a system, we're going to kind of work through it and sell it by piece by piece. And kind of offer to the customer in that basis, not everything in one shot, put in a 9.1 system in a room, give the customer more speakers that might not benefit their room. You know, it's something that I will turn away from at this point, Uh, especially dealing with LG products. It's something that I haven't dealt with before, including the TVs and down. We're more of a Samsung guy. And with everything else, we're going to offer separate components to go with that and a different speaker solution versus going with their whole All-in-one
1: solution. Let me ask you a question real quick because you're you're much more knowledgeable on this than I am. Is there a situation where, how do I put this, where you can have too many speakers? I guess is the best way to put this. Is it a is it a a space issue? Is it the fact that you have you know you have X amount of, you know your your room is this big and so you know what you don't you can't use nine speakers. You're not going to hear it. You're not going to enjoy it. So if your room is X big, then it requires fewer speakers. Or is it always bigger is better and more is better?
0: See, I wouldn't go that way. More is better. It's based on the customer's lifestyle. It's based on the customer's room size. A lot of the time when you're dealing with my kind of clients, they want aesthetics. They want it to look right. If there's speakers everywhere in the living room where they're entertaining or the family room, whatever room it might be, it, it's something that they're not going to want to see. Guys will want more. Guys want bigger. Guys want better. Guys want to impress. When you put a woman into the equation and you're talking about the design aspect, if there's nine speakers in a room, they're going to lose it. Then you're not going to sell them that way. Sure, there's ways of hiding it. There's speakers that could hide it, that you could just look like the wall. There's speakers that are in wall and ceiling. But imagine pitching your ceiling with nine different speakers and a subwoofer. It, it's just, it might not work out. It, it's something that I would only suggest if the customer is really into it, or if they were going to more of a dedicated movie room, a home theater room, or something yeah. in that matter. Uh, being a New York installer, really, there's not that much space in a lot mm. of people's rooms. We're talking about a very small rooms and I don't think it would benefit them. You know, it might be too much clutter of music and it might sound overpowering. I I want more cleanliness. I'd rather have less will do me more. But in a movie room atmosphere, that's a different, that's a different experience for the client. That's something that I might consider doing that. But again, room size versus the customer's aesthetics. You know, you never want to stop, take away the aesthetics away from the customer's room just to give you yourself a selfish, more, Revenue, or to do something, just to do it. Yeah,
3: you know, I always wondered uh, for the, everyone listening, even but you guys. You know, there's a certain number of speakers you want to get that surround sound, but how granular do you have to get? I mean, maybe for a special, you know, like a very special event or a very special kind of theater. But a lot of this stuff can be done psychoacoustically now, and I'm sure I'll get people writing in just about the frequency sampling rates, the 96 kilohertz versus 44 one, and all that other stuff. But in comparison, but is it really that necessary? I, that really does. The question that really I've had is do you have to be physically that granular to get a full surround sound? And do you need to be that precise?
2: Not even your movie theaters are going to give you that great a sound anymore. I mean, no. if you're going into a into a, any theater you're going to go into is probably just still operating on some some old hooky system. To be honest with you, it's not going to be anything upgraded. And if you are going to the upgraded sound systems, good, good luck. You're not going to get that at home. I mean, well, maybe Todd can can enlighten <laughs> us on what, <laughs> enlighten us on what a big budget sound system sounds like in a comp. You know, but for me, you know, I got five point one. That's what broadcast broadcasts at is five point one. And I can go as far as maybe six or seven point one on my other uh, uh, tuner, which is not even completely hooked up. So you're right, the granular, the granular effect. I love watching a movie like a Private Ryan and hearing things buzzing from left to right, but I cannot pinpoint that it's on the back right channel. Bullet just <laughs> dropped. You know, I I'm I'm not that. I guess maybe I'm not that good.
3: <laughs> well, maybe it sounds a lot like some of these like the 4K stuff that we talk about in in, in other shows that um... You know the simulation market for that kind of stuff is where it's at. When I'm in training or I'm doing something very precise that needs to be represented, that kind of oral and visual information would be very important. But in general, you psychoacoustically you mix it in a certain way, and people are going to hear it from where you thought you would put a speaker anyway. Yeah. Right, here's, go ahead, Todd.
0: Here's the question that I have: Is what does everybody here and on this call have? In their home, I have. I just bought a new home and I put five speakers in the subwoofer in my home. I didn't go to six, I could have went to seven. I chose five because that's what I feel most comfortable with. I think it does the job and it does it right. I couldn't have more than that. Uh, five one here, and I told you I have another one that has,
2: I think I could do 6.1 or 7.1 in, in my other, uh, left my other tuner, and I don't think I have. Uh, I think it's a it's it's maybe two one at <laughs> that because I haven't been able to uh, find a, a neat way to run the wires. That's just me because I am lazy.
1: <laughs> well, and and I've got the five one because back to Chris's point, that's what they broadcast in, and mm-hmm. that's what I watch most of the time is is some sort of you know cable or 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 satellite programming, whether that's football or, or some other programming, and that's what they broadcast in. And so, since that's the case, that's you know I, I can't make it better, I guess, than what they're shooting in or what they're and broadcasting to,
2: in. And and to George's point, Bose makes a living off of, you know, the small system that makes it sound like a big room system. Yeah. You know, that's that's the way they've been, they've been advertising their products with their 3.1 mm. or 2.1, whatever, product. It does the, it does the job, but it's not going to be for, you know, the guy who is putting the home theater in the system, and you're not going to, he's just not going to do that. He's going to want to put the bigger, better, you know,
3: sound yeah and it's funny because i point one but it's almost always switched over to two channel because i'm a big two channel lo-fi head so i'm mm-hmm. listening to music <laughs> even my dts you know front-end disc so i'm like you know uh, it's two channel that's why we listen to it
0: yep that's, just- that's how i listen to my music so i don't simulate my music to an all-channel stereo put in the two front speakers and that's how i do it
1: all right, you are listening to AV Week with Todd Puma from the Source Home Theater, Mr. Chris Netto from AV Help Desk, and George Tucker from World Stage. Uh, this one comes to us from Gizmodo. Uh, according to them, both Google and Microsoft failed. It's time for Intel. And what we're talking about, oddly enough, because we just talked about how Microsoft is doing it right, uh, is that <laughs> Intel is coming into your living room. Which just makes me happy to no end again because they gave us the HDMI connector. Um, Here's what they're talking about, though, is they're talking about a number of different products that they're going to come out with, apparently, in CES uh, next week. George, is this a natural evolution of Intel? They're a computer company. Let's not forget. Or first of all, they're a chip company. Um, Or is is it them trying to diversify? Go back to our first couple stories. Uh, into a market where they think that they have, uh, 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 you know, some some space to to just to, uh, to um, expand in.
3: I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that it's probably not so much diversification. Yeah, easy for me say, um, as it is wanting the stockholders wanting to see more profit capability. Chips to chips, they're doing well. They've pretty much got it locked up, and you've got your doubling of speed every so x so often, or more functions per. But in general, where are you going? You know, you can only have so many devices. You can only put it in so many things, and while it's a lot of stuff, I think we're looking at someone saying, "Hey, we need to start making products." And it's a dangerous game. Google's tried it, and they've had some fun. You know, Microsoft's only really succeeded in Xbox. Um, and we can go on and on, but. Uh, I think that's really where it's coming from is, hey, we can do this. Everybody else is doing it. All right, we'll spend 2% of our R&D on this and see what happens with it. And the investors will get all excited, and we can keep our stock profits up. Chris, do you
1: think this this new little set-top box is, is like George said, You know, trying to keep the investors happy, spend a little money doing, doing some R&D? Uh, or is it just an, another development for Intel?
2: Um, a little bit of both. I think they've already... Made a play at this with their wide-eye capability, which will, which complete, which will compete against like an Apple TV with wireless transmission. So I think this is just another step closer, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to to providing a box that somebody else is going to take and incorporate into their TVs at some point.
1: Todd, is this something you would feel comfortable? I mean, obviously the the story is is very sparse on details, so Mm -hmm. I'm not asking you to spec it today. But the idea, is it something you would feel comfortable with? Maybe not first generation, but second, third generation from Intel?
0: Yes. I like the idea with the going with it, with the smart DVR, you know, and basically you don't have to find the program that's recorded. It records everything up to 30 days. Um, the only thing that I have with the little bit of notes that I had with the fa- face recognition, that's something that I wouldn't feel comfortable with, with their trying to get based on the consumer getting certain ads out and so on and so forth. but it's I'll give it a shot once it comes out but like you said it would have to be a couple of generations down maybe the third generation the fourth generation so we're not being the beta testers of the community
1: no and the one thing about the the 30-day uh, recording I think is cool there's a guy over in as uh, a company over in England uh, in the UK who did an experiment um, I think last summer or summer before last where they recorded every single channel um, from not just the BBC, but from from every other thing, um, every other channel available in, in the UK, and made it available um, as part of some experiment. And it actually didn't take. I mean, it's obviously terabytes worth of information, but it, in relative speaking, it, it didn't take that help, that that much um, that much hard drive space. So,
3: um, you know, Tim, I wanted yeah, to, Todd start off. You start off asking Todd about NMC, yes. and while we've been sitting here talking, about having some thoughts on it. If you would spare me a sure. Moment why would you want to do it right. well nfc is what it's a cl- it's a proximity close proximity transmission scheme sort of like bluetooth or the rest right N-
1: near field communication is technically near what it near
3: field communications right so it, it a lot of people love it because it was going to be used for say um cash or credit cards built into your phone you just say okay i put it over the th- hover it over the strip it automatically gets my information i pay for it all i have to carry is my little smart device but a lot of these all-in-one systems or any system that wants to stream, the one big problem of course is that beloved HDMI cable or any cables at all. And you want to go wireless. Well, What's wireless's biggest enemy? Interference. Uh Uh If you can make it so you're using a system like Near Field Communications and it is only within a certain range and a certain frequency and a certain encryption type, you can really make your signal reliable. And then your customers go say, this is great. I buy a box. There's no buyers. I just hit a button and they're all talking to each other. Um, That's where I think the potential for something like this LG product could be pretty big in the mass market side at least. And you would probably see it transition very quickly over to the high-end market for at least maybe the um, cell phone or smart device being a controller without having to do any special stuff except have your control surface. And it just goes click. I'm connected. I've noticed you. And it won't do it to anybody else's. You can have, you know, the kids' room upstairs that has a similar system, won't get interfered with. That's where I think I see it working fairly well. I don't think it'll support any kind of HD format bandwidth in video, but it will is probably pretty darn good for compressed audio.
1: Well, and to, to Todd's point earlier point about, you know, when you get um those of the uh, of the fairer gender uh, involved, they don't want to see cables. They don't want to see speakers. They don't want to see anything. And so, yes, if you if you can make it to where they don't see any of that, well, then, yeah, it's all, it's all better. So.
2: Nearfield has an appeal in the corporate world as well, especially if you're talking about uh, presentation capabilities. So if you now mm. have found a way – to present material onto a projector wirelessly, where you're not having to jump on a corporate network, which has a lot of restrictions, you know, from any device, anybody can send a, you know, a cell phone or a tablet wirelessly without the restriction of it has to be on the network, like similar to like an an, an AirPlay, for example, where, you know, your iPad has to be on the same network as your Apple TV device in order for it to work. At home, it works well. When we get this requests in the office, you know, it's like, okay, it has to be a corporate iPad, you know, because it has to be approved on the network in order for this to work. And then it has to be that same iPad using that same Apple TV. There there is, the moons have to align for this to work in the corporate world. If near field technology can come in and completely be, you know, secure one-off connection that is not going to sit and remain open and susceptible to intrusion. That may be a possibility as well
1: and that would be a, that would be an excellent possibility so yep all right um real quickly guys the the commercial integrator did a, a survey of their peeps of their people um, from frankly of integrators and asked what the top three manufacturers were in 34 product categories and we're going to th- go through each and every one and ask you guys your opinions <laughs> there will be a test <laughs> there will be a test I'm joking <laughs> Um, there was a couple surprises for me, uh, and I'm not you – know, My actually, one of the surprises was the fact that um, for uh, uh, networking, um, <laughs> the fact that um, uh, Cisco was, holy cow, way out front in networking, and then Xtron and Crestron were number two and three, which kind of really surprised me. I'm not sure why that was. <laughs> it's like, okay, um, sure. Um, but, uh, Todd, we'll, we'll kick it off with you. What is your number one, number two um, display uh, and then control company. Uh, like, who do you go to when it comes to stuff like that? Like, if you're walking into somebody's house and they're just asking you to spitball, this, this, this is my one or two companies that I go to.
0: For displays, we would always go with Samsung every single time. Uh, especially in the residential market they work well uh, for control companies it's going to be crushed on because it works well and there's all different price points that are going to appease and appeal to any kind of customer if it's a customer who's looking on doing one or two rooms to a customer who's looking on third, doing third or two zones
1: uh, Chris is there one or two guys that you talk to talk about when it comes to control and when it comes to video and maybe even um, do you guys do any, any um, video conferencing
2: yeah we do some
1: okay then i won't won't ask about that one
2: (laughs) no no i mean we do some video obviously we do a lot of video conferencing i was joking but video conferencing um you know there's 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 pretty much uh two three maybe big players in the industry and everybody falls back to it i mean the market share goes to polycom and to uh cisco formerly known as tamberg you know um those are the two main um, things we can go in and we can spec in whatever the customer is looking for. I mean, life size is there. Are they getting a market share? Possibly, um, but the big companies are going to go to the name brands, um, especially you know when you're walking into an existing situation where IT guys are specing in. You know, this is our network and we already have the Polycom approved or we already have Cisco there. Uh, it used to be the video conferencing company used to come in and 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 pitch it, but now it's coming from the IT side. So you have IT guys that are saying, "Hey, listen, we got Cisco products in the rack. We'd like to keep it all Cisco. Can we use the Cisco product with the Tamburk product, and just keep everything Cisco, one name, one brand, all eggs in one basket?" Polycom partners up with Microsoft a lot, so you get that relationship there. And now you're starting to see the Lucent. Uh, relationship with uh the radvision product that they acquired oh
1: yeah which is
2: another acquisition that we didn't talk about which i think is pretty significant as well was uh via uh, the the radvision vtc uh or radvision in itself because i think that just adds now a third player into the into the into that mix so those would be on the video conferencing side on the crestron uh control side there's crestron extron amx big three uh no real um no real favorites. I mean, uh, we do a lot of uh, a Crestron, a lot of Extron, not so much on the AMX stuff, but uh, it's really, it, it depends on what the customer is looking to do.
1: So it just depends on, it's more of a, you know, what's the use case and what's the, the, the end product supposed to be?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Where we, where we will get more specific is on, obviously, if we're if we're looking to build the system out, from, from small to big. You know, we will sit with the customer and say, these are our recommendations, and work that out. Uh, from a display side, same thing. You know, there's, you can't just say anymore, you know, it, you're, here's your standard projector, this, you're gonna use this projector and that. There's 50 different projector manufacturers that are serv- you know, working in the commercial end. Uh, there's displays, and then there's the battle of how, what size display do we go before we cut off projectors and go strictly display. You know, and I mean, it all comes down to the design of the room, but well, you do have
1: of, those questions. Isn't some of that also use case as well? Because if you're going to be shooting, prim- or not shooting, but but displaying primarily video, you can you can easily justify a a, a, a display, let's say. But mm-hmm. if you're doing friggin' you know Excel spreadsheets every single meeting, there's uh, <laughs> unless you're in, up in the eighty and ninety inch range of displays, I'm sorry, but there's there's not a projector out there that couldn't kick the tail out of a 40 or 50 inch display when it comes to stuff like that that, that that has to be that, you know, granular and that technical.
2: I'll put my other hat on, which is the other hat of the on-site guy. I would rather maintain a monitor than a projector and the bulb life and all that, because mm-hmm. no matter what we do, the customers mm-hmm. will always bypass, you know, whatever we're doing, they'll jump on tables, turn on the projectors, turn them off incorrectly, unplug them. You know, next thing you know, they're cutting hours and hours off the bulb life. Because it's not being run correctly, and we can put all the management software we want running it. But if they're determined to shut that fan off because it's making too much noise, or, you know, it, and it could be the quietest uh, projector out there, they'll do it.
1: Yeah, but those bulbs aren't that expensive, Chris. A couple hundred bucks. <laughs> depends on you which know. one. I just, yeah, it, dep- I, it depends I, on what
2: company and what, yeah. uh, what your uh, budget
1: is. I just bought one for, uh, what was it, a, a block of Sanyo's, and they were about 350 a pop. So.
2: Hey, yeah. I'm the first one to tell you I wish LED technology was there that, you know, will give us a 5K projector. That's it's That would solve so many problems. What? You know, at least a 5,000-lumen projector, not 3,500. What is out there now? I want something brighter.
1: <laughs> and a true 5,000-lumen, not just, you know, this is 5,000-lumen equivalent because you can't really test it because it's not really, you know, whatever. Yeah,
2: not 5,000 lumens on paper. Yeah. I want to see 5,000 lumens.
1: Uh, George um I'm not sure where to go with you because of of, of your expertise but let's just start with this um <laughs> when it comes to you know speakers and and control systems and and displays I can go anywhere with you on this um let's hmm. just start with with sound systems what's like one or two guys that you like this is your go to uh, when it comes to to
3: sound you mean in the in the staging world or in keeping it to both oh integration in the in the staging world we're we're yamaha <clears throat> you're going to do something in that world we're a big yamaha house we really rely on those pieces of gear to a great degree um excuse me <clears throat> the um you know but i have to say that one of the things i am looking at this i'm really impressed by how deep cisco has ingrained itself into the conferencing even though they you know they did have acquisition but by name there's people are saying cisco as well as the ip devices i mean we're not talking about routers and switches they're talking about actual cisco product you know things they've made a huge jump just by name recognition alone that's that's something very serious that all these manufacturers have to look at and you know we talked about the trojan horse a while ago and who was it that you thought cisco was going to buy (laughs) control four Hmm. (laughs) <laughs> you know, it might be plausible, but they are making big strides into that. They, still, that might. they, they still, still might. They
1: still might. They still might.
3: They still might. Um, it, You know, for home stuff, eh, you know, I, I stand by some of the standard stuff. I mean, I dream of having one of those Crestron surround sound. Macintosh, I guess, inspired amps. They look like that to me. Yeah. Um. I, when it comes to, to video, then, uh,
1: displays, projectors... I mean, is there one or two guys that you would let's call, let's talk about projectors? Is there one or two guys that you would recommend with regardless?
3: Oh, well, Barco and Christie's, it, pretty much. They they have some products that, at least for our staging world, that work very well. I mean, we, almost everybody, but that, that seems to be the stuff that I am dealing with the most. And they're tough, they're reliable. We have stuff on road shows that are ten, eleven years old, and they may not be putting out five thousand lumens anymore or ten thousand lumens anymore, but they're still there and doing it All um
1: right. mine is and this is just my own personal I'm, i i like amx's control stuff a lot um my own personal experiences though i i is is a crestron uh is, is as a crestron house and that's kind of where we are uh i i agree with with todd when it comes to displays i would throw a samsung in regardless of of thinking about it you know um regardless of where i'm going and then obviously you you you, you know Delineate from
3: there, and you you think about it a little bit harder. Um, I have, a, I have a question, though. I mean, there's a lot of extra and a lot of Crestron. Okay, they've only given the top three in yeah. most of these topics. But I am shocked not to see Control 4 anywhere on this. I miss it. I'm not. I'm not either, because here's well, the thing. You're yeah.
1: talking about integrators, right? And you've mm-hmm. got – let's, let's run down this, but they, they talk about uh, – on the control and automation segment of this article – about HVAC controls, large-scale control systems, lighting control, which did surprise me. And I'll get to that in a second. Remote controls and touchscreens. All right. Without exception, those five categories, Krachtron was number one, even mm-hmm. over Lutron in lighting, which surprised the <coughs> heck out of me. That, that's mm-hmm. definitely surprising. Yeah. Um, but, but you're go ahead.
2: It's it's commercial integrator. Yeah. The, so yeah. you're you're gonna have the guy. You're the way they answer the question. Or the, the responders for these questions are going to come from the, if I had my pick, it would be this because the commercial integrator works more with Crestron than they do with Lutron.
3: And that was the nature of my question, Chris. Is it really that they, that they had to draw this, that's what they'd want, or is it because it's the name they know? I'm not taking anything away from any of these companies, but I just – these yeah. kind of, you know, uh, polls always make me wonder. Is it just the first thing I thought of and, and the guy that I most used because then I know I can rely on them? You know, it's sort of like saying, you know, my grass is green, but I I live you know, next to a desert and no one else is next to me. Or is it real? i I I kind of very suspicious. Well, 90%
2: of the times on a commercial job, you walk in and it's a Lutron lighting system and you have to interface to it. You know, if you sit down and talk to a company like Crestron, for example, and Extron or even AMX who are looking for this automated building control – the right way to do it would be for everybody to go out there and 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 do the entire building AMX, the entire building Crestron or Xtron for that matter, you know. And then everything is on one system on one. We've had this these talks before, mm-hmm. you know. That that's the way everything will work. Right, not just interfacing and making.
1: Yes, yeah. but happen, but Chris here's the thing and the, the, the reality of, of the world that we live in and, and I, I did I mean one of the things that came out of InfoComm 100 was the whole smart building thing And it's something that amx and Crestron have been talking about for a while. I Love the idea. I love the whole, you know, everything integrated type type scenario But the reality of the world that we live in is those guys aren't gonna get that right no. They're not gonna get everything So they're going to have to live with and work with what they get. And a lot of times you're right. It's going to be Lutron. It's going to be talking to a Cisco, this, that, and the other. They have to be able to make themselves available and, um, you you know, willing to work with other people and do so nicely. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what a lot of them don't do. That's my problem. Um, all right. Last, last one here, guys. Uh, CES is next week. Uh, we're taping this on the fourth. Um, what is – Todd, we'll, we'll kick this off with you. What's one or two things that you're expecting uh, to come out of or maybe even more surprising not to come out of, of the Consumer Electronics Show next week?
0: Basically, what I think is going to be the hot market is going with the 4K. We're going to see more releases from like Samsung, LG, um, and the other manufacturers for TVs. Um, it's really going to be focused on that. They're probably going to focus on more of the design aspect, making it more cleaner uh television, less of a bezel like they did last year, but kind of evaporating that a little more. Um, I'm assuming that it's going to be a lot about the aesthetics of the TVs going this year to please more of the homeowner because most of these people out today already have TVs, and you can't get a person to buy a TV just because you have a smart TV feature in it, because you have 3D. It's got to be something more of a wow, something that's really going to change their minds on why they would want to buy a new TV if they had a TV for three years. So I'm assuming Samsung and those manufacturers like Samsung – have came out with something or coming out with something that's going to wow the community and the industry to go out and want to buy another television. Um, I heard some rumors that Samsung was planning on making a television uh, like ultra flat uh, that was going to be more of like a a little bit thicker than a piece of cardboard oh, that geez. they could bend. Yeah, that's bendable material. I read it. They were trying it with a cell phone. I think, Chris, uh, you were there with me and you kind of educated me a little bit more about what they were doing. It's very interesting, but they are looking on making a television out of it. And I don't know if that's going to be released this year. I'm assuming they're going to talk about it a little bit.
1: That's awesome. Uh, Mr. Nuno, what is one of two things that you are looking for when it comes to CES next week?
2: Uh, looking forward, I am not going to be there. So
1: uh, I mean, come, I'm not going to be there either, but good Lord, everybody else and their brother will be.
2: I will bet the house that there is more headphones coming out. Jeez. <laughs> oh yeah. many, And they'll be, and, and
1: be by Dre.
2: Yes, more, more. Oh, competition God, no. by Dre. <laughs> How many How beats many, does he have? He, like, he's, he's got a lot of beats going on. But boom, boom, I just think that this boom, is boom, this, boom, this sorry. is like these—they're coming out like bunnies. Everybody's popping Jeez. out. He's uh these headphones everywhere and at companies that never got into the headphone business, slapping their name on it. They better watch out what they, you know, the, the, that they're not killing their name by putting out a lesser quality product. But God, it's, it's remarkable how much interest there is in headphones. I mean, I I can't find a freaking pair that I like. So, you know, there's, but before there was like five or six different pair, of headphones to choose from. Nowadays, you go through a, a a list, and it's not just sound quality, it's now the look, it's the features, it's the add-ons, it's the wire, that how bendable it is. And is.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I've been through four sets myself just trying to find the right one.
0: It's a trend now. The kids are wearing it. You know, I've seen going in the subway, kids having the Dre Beats on and all the Monster products that they had just for a fashionable style. And I would say... Look at them! and be like, wait, there's a wire hanging out. What What are you listening to this with? They're like, oh, we're not listening to this with anything. It's just the style now. You wear it around your neck. You kind of hmm. do what you do. It's like wearing a hat backwards, or you know, back in the day when they were wearing the pants backwards, like crisscross. You
1: know, it's <laughs> like oh, what are man. these things?
2: Yeah, Tim t- was. It?
1: <laughs> it was hard. It was hard to use the restroom doing that. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mr. Tucker, hey. you have the last word on this. What are you looking forward to come out of uh Well, my
3: but my favorite headphones still have always been the Sony MDR V sixes or the 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 line. I have two two pairs now. One's ten and a half years old and sound almost as good as the day I bought them, and a new pair that I just love to death. So they may not be audiophile centric yet. Yeah, I got a bump, but then again, I still have anything. in my home. So that being said, um, I was really intrigued by a couple of things. Most of you guys talked about it. The flexible screen stuff. Hey, I said twice now. The OLED and the flexible stuff is the. And two two yearly shows going to be the next big thing. So there you go. Um, but there's some flexible phones supposedly being shown by either 3M or, or um, LG and those guys. I'm really curious to see that. That would be cool. Um, but what I'm really interested in um, is the Y gig, We gig. I forget how you want to say that. That's the 60 gigahertz. Mm-hmm. You know, as we spoke about earlier you know, RF is just saturated and everything from, you know, 80211 this, that, and the other thing, even 80211 AC, while a nice product is really saturated, I want to see a new option, you know, beyond getting the white spaces into the commercial market and, and really rolling. Mm. This sounds to me like something really cool.
1: Yeah, and that, that, to that point, George, that would scare me if we started getting white spaces into the into the residentials. So, um, what I'm looking it's forward... Coming. Huh? It's, it's not coming. Bubble. It's not. Um, and, and Six gonna buy control four so uh, <laughs> um i I'm with todd and, and the one piece that that kind of grabbed me was from the the home technology tell uh website and that was the the bendable possible you know not completely fold it in your pot in half and put it in your pocket but still the the flexible displays um uh, is something that that'll be really really be kind of cool uh and neat to uh Need to, to see how what, what comes out of CES next week. So
0: Yeah, now the consumer can mount the TV and it can bounce off the floor if it falls
1: up the wall. That would be awesome.
0: <laughs> there you go. Now
1: all we need is is a display you can paint on the wall, and then we'll be done. <laughs> Wallpaper TVs. <laughs> Wallpaper TVs. Um, next. You heard here first. Well, gentlemen, that's, uh, that's all we've got for today. Uh, Mr. Todd Puma is the CEO of Source Home Theater. Thank you so much for joining us, sir.
0: Thank you for having me. It was a great time.
1: Uh, Mr. Chris Netto, he is the consul- or is a consultant. Your boss is going to shoot me. A consultant with uh, AV Helpdesk. Thank you, sir.
2: Thank you, man. Appreciate
1: it. Uh, last but not least, thank you, Mr. George Tucker. He is the coordinator from World Stage. Thank you, guys. Great show. Uh, guys, thanks so much for listening. Uh, check us out on the website, avianation.tv. You can also check us out on Facebook, on Twitter, on Google+, uh, LinkedIn, and other places as well. But go by the website. You'll find this podcast and others, avnation.tv. avnation.tv. That is all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs>